Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill, and brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at bdon300, and you can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap on Instagram as well as Twitter. Today, I'm going to be breaking down the Vanderbilt game, arguably one of the biggest opponents that we've had in DeKalb in a very long time. And it's a game that we have every right to win. We are, it's odd, we're favored to win the game by two and a half points, but the FPI has Vanderbilt at a 66.2% chance to win this game. Both teams have explosive offenses. The over-under is set at 58 and a half. Vanderbilt comes into this game averaging 43.3 points per game. It's a little inflated. They absolutely thumped Hawaii in week one. I think they scored like, yeah, they scored 63. They played Elon, scored 42 against them, and they scored 25 against Wake Forest. Wake Forest kind of brought them back down to earth. But as I kind of talked about uh, on Monday, at the Rocky Lombardi show with Rocky. And even before he got on, as I referred to him as Mike Daniels, but it's Mike Wright. Mike Wright is an athletic quarterback. He can run the football. He can run the RPOs and he has a good arm. They find ways to get him involved early and often in the running game. They average 232 yards on the ground this season so far and 207 in the air. So they're pretty balanced team, uh, but they're led by the quarterback in Mike Wright. Like he's, pretty good quarterback and I honestly think this is an incredible quarterback matchup between Rocky and Mike Wright but aside from that there are so many other parts on both teams that will play a huge part in this game like I said this is the first time in a very long time that we've had if not ever that we've had an SEC opponent here at Husky Stadium and it's an opportunity to protect home turf and an opportunity to get a boneyard win especially, you know, especially considering how last week ended and it probably left a sour taste in the guy's mouth. They have an opportunity to erase that with their third opportunity of the season to go out there and win a football game. And this is a team that they had, like I said, have every right to go out there and win a football game, but they cannot afford to not play their best game because Vanderbilt is part of the SEC. So whether or not they're good in the SEC They have athletes. They have good players on their team, just like we do too. But the players probably range a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit faster. But I think as a team, you know, the sum of the parts of our team is better than their team. And we've proved over the last few years that we can really make it happen. So, well, I won't say the last few years. I'll say this year and last year, but it's a good team led by a strong coach. We have a good offense and the defense is really just kind of what needs to get there. We're working on the defense right now. It hasn't been up to par, if you will, but they got players over there. They have athletes on that side of the ball and I fully trust them to make adjustments throughout this game and throughout the rest of this season in order to get our defense on track. But offensively to win this game, we're probably going to have to score upwards of 30 points. Like we're going to need more than 30 points to win this game for sure. I don't see this game finishing with, with either team quite honestly under 30. Like I think this has to be like a 35, 31 or 38, 35, similar to last. It's going to be, it may start out slow, but 
both offenses, our offense and their offense, can hit you in a hurry. And they can also, you know, they can also really take the air out of the ball and, and take time of possession. And I honestly think that, yeah, that's a good strategy most games. But in this game, I'd like to see Rocky get his his weapons involved. I'd like to see the ball distributed to guys like Shamar Thornton, to guys like Cole Tucker, to guys like Casper Rukowitz. Like, get the receivers involved early. We know what the backs are capable of, and we know what the line's going to do. Like, let's see if we can go, you know, if we can match their balance attack. They're going to be a balanced team. Let's be balanced as well. Because if we become if we become too predictable against this team, it's going to wear and tear on us on the fourth quarter. Like, we don't want to be coming back from a 17 or a 14-point deficit like we were against Tulsa. I don't think they're – I'm not going to say I don't think they could come back from that, but – like, let's get a lead and let's try to preserve a lead and win a game. Let's not get down early and have to chase and have to spend a majority of the game coming back. And then, you know, there's a bunch of pressure plays at the end of the game. As crazy as this seems, let's let's win this by more than one possession. Let's find a way to put Vandy away early. Like, I'm not saying that it's going to be a game that we can get, like, bench players in or anything like that. But, like, go out there, handle your business, take care – of your one of one and let the team do the rest. You know what I'm saying? Like the team should be trusted in this type of game, right? We played the Kent States last year. You go up against Georgia tech, you beat Georgia tech at Georgia tech. Like this is a team that has a big game DNA. They, they perform on the big stage and offensively, like I said, a more balanced attack, maybe I would say maybe like, 300 all-purpose yards from Rocky and over 150 rushing yards from the backs. It's not too far-fetched. Like, that's not a crazy ask. We Right now we're averaging 34.5 points per game, 225 yards through the air, and 156 yards on the ground. Okay, so I will tone back to 300 yards. No, actually I won't. Rocky can handle it. Rocky can get to 300. 303, as we always call it on this show. Defensively is where kind of kind of differentiates on the defensive side of the ball. In this game, I know it's going to sound crazy to set a number this high, but I would like to to keep Vanderbilt under thirty one points. I know it's a lot, but this is a team that scored twenty five on Wake in a game that they were getting shit pumped by halftime. Like they can score in a hurry. They have a tough, hard-nosed defense. I watched I watched about as much as was bearable during the Hawaii game, and then I turned that off once it became like an absolute blowout. And then I watched the first half of Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, yes, or not yesterday, but last weekend uh, when I was just at home watching games. I had the Texas-Alabama game on one screen. I had that game on another and then I had UTSA and Army on the third screen. So family room was going crazy that day, but I almost contemplated just going to this game as a fan. But two things, I have not been able to go to the press conferences the last two weeks because of my work schedule. So I don't want them to think that I am not coming back because I definitely am coming back. And I'm going to be running late. I got – some family stuff that I got going on in the afternoon. So 
I might as well just not even mess around with trying to just go to the game and end up going to the game solo. So I will just come to the game, do my thing, go to the presser after, and you guys will get a post game that will be released probably Saturday night. So I won't post about it until Monday morning, but I had a hectic weekend this past weekend to where I had to watch the damn game on my phone at work. That's why there was a lack of live tweets, if you will. First game in the history of this podcast that I've had to like actually have to work during it, like my other job, which that same day, the team that I work for, the Cougars, also lost in the playoffs. So it was just a, a tough day. For those of you that know I'm a Notre Dame fan as well, they got smoked. Like They didn't get smoked, but they, they got smoked. So last weekend was a tough sports weekend. The Bears picked me up on Sunday, and I look for the Huskies to pick me back up here on Saturday. And I think, yeah, 31 points is a lot. It's not saying that your defense is going to be able to do much, but – if I had to say what I want to see from the defense this week, it would be to limit the ability of Mike Wright to hurt you with his legs, right? So make Mike Wright beat you with his arm. I don't know why I made that so hard to say. I, made, I said that in like uh, an extra hundred words than should have been said. But as you hear the sirens going off and lovely DeKalb in the background, that just adds authenticity to this podcast. You just know I'm in DeKalb right now as the sirens go off. But defensively, I will say, aside from making Mike Wright beat you with his arm, I think you got to be able to get off the field on third down because I'm anticipating a hectic crowd. I can anticipate that we can get a couple couple false starts or a couple discipline penalties like offsides and shit against Vanderbilt. We'll see what happens. But hoping the Husky Nation, you know, shows up and shows out. But the way I look at it is, is – the strength of our defense is the D-line. So constant pressure. Constant pressure from that front four makes it a lot harder for everything else to happen. And then you throw in a blitzing Nick Routine or a blitzing Kyle Pugh. Maybe you bring Devin Lafayette up in the box and blitz him. Like You can get so creative with it. But the pressure that that is coming from that front four is the most important thing in this game. Because you can't give Mike Ray time to – you know, have in the pocket because he's either going to find an open receiver, he's going to tuck it and run. It's a fact of the matter. He He's a dangerous player. And I think he also, in that same sense, is a risky player. So you can create turnovers. There's no reason why we can't see a, a C.J. Brown or a Jordan Gandy interception this week or, or Devin Lafayette, whoever it may be could be one of the linebackers. It doesn't matter. This is a guy that turns the football over. In the first two games of the – or in their first three games of the season, he's turned the ball over with one interception, and I know he had a couple fumbles lost. Let me, let me find that because I know he was coughing that bitch up last weekend. Where can you find fumble stats, bruh? Well, ESPN is fraudulent and refuses to show me that they have fumble stats on there for the quarterback. So that is – an illegitimate website, but he's only been sacked one time this year, and that was against Elon. So that goes to show you what type of player he is with the ball in his hands. Six foot four, one ninety five. Uh, the two games, the three games that he's had on the season are one hundred forty six yards against Hawaii, at one hundred sixty three on the ground, and two touchdowns. Hundred. 
He had 245 yards against Elon, 11 carries for 84 yards. And then against Wake, he was only 8 of 15 for 35 yards and 8 carries for 17 yards. So not a great game against Wake Forest, but Wake is not a forest, as you know. Uh, Sam Hartman also came back that week, so there was quite literally no shot that Wake Forest was going to win or that Vanderbilt was going to win that game. But they also have a running back in Ramon Davis that is averaging 5.7 yards a pop. He's got two touchdowns on the year. He's outgained Mike Wright by five yards, and Mike Wright has 15 less carries. So that goes to show you how dangerous Wright is in his, with his legs. So they have two receivers on the year with over 10 catches. They have Jade McGowan, 12 catches, 201 yards. Will Shepard, 13 catches, 142 yards. Shepard's got five touches, though. And uh, anytime someone has five tutties, you can kind of assume that that might be one of the quarterback's favorite receivers, right? 6'3", 200 pounds, go up and get it type guy. So definitely only want Jordan Candy on him. I don't want, like, McGowan's a freshman. He's not as big as Shepard. I could trust Bird or or one of the other guys guarding him. He's 5'8", 177, like – we got plenty of corners that are at least 5'8", 177. In fact, put Javon Bird on him at six foot or like 6'2", or however how tall he is. He's tall for a corner. Put him on uh, McGowan and then have Gandy cover Will, she- yeah, Will Shepard and let the rest take care of itself. But this is a team that can hurt you in a variety of different ways. Like I said, a balanced attack. We could expect them to try and use Mike Wright's legs. We could expect them to use Ramon Davis. We could expect them – to throw the rock as well. And then two, we talked about it on Monday, coach Dan Jackson, our defensive backs coach for the last few seasons is over at Vanderbilt now. So he knows all the strengths and weaknesses of all of our defensive backs, probably uh, more than that, right? Like probably knows the strengths and weaknesses of most of the players on this team. So that's something that we have to keep in mind. We have to be sharp and on our P's and Q's. This is almost like a double agent, except it's not a double agent because he, you know, he works over there now. So, and we also, well, Rocky kind of alluded on Monday that they kind of know what to expect from him or what kind of things he wants from his, his DBs and stuff like that. So that'll be an interesting mind game, if you will, and an interesting chess game out there on the field to see which team can use the extended knowledge that they have of someone on the other side uh, to their advantage. But going through and looking at it from a players of the game perspective, I think in order to win this game, we're going to need, we're going to need on the defensive side of the ball, a Jordan Gandy masterclass, I'll say. I don't know why I said masterclass, but we're going with masterclass. That's the word I'm choosing. I think Jordan Gandy is one of those players that he's so disciplined in coverage and he's always in the right spot at the right time. He's always there to make a play on the ball. I remember his first year, he was like one of the highest in, in pass deflections in the nation. I'm, I'm going on record and I'm going to say that Jordan Gandy will have a interception in this game and he'll have, he'll have over five tackles, probably somewhere between five and eight. Okay. But we need him to, to, to let's just take Mike Wright out of this game altogether. Right. Don't let him run the ball and don't let him get the ball to his number one target. So 
I don't know how that's all going to work on Saturday. Something might have to give, but I can <laughs> I can sit up here and, and say that's what I want to see now. Will it happen on Saturday? Who knows? And even if it doesn't, there's still plenty of other ways to win this game. I'm just kind of spitballing on how I think this one will go. On the offensive side of the ball, I do think that I could go with really any skill player, right? Like that's the the wiffle bat, the layup. But I actually think the most important person or people for this week is that group up front, that offensive line. The group that we've been able to count on for the last two seasons come rain, sleet, or snow, you know? So they were talking about it on Monday at the show because they have their dinner on Mondays as well. So that all the linemen came out and we'll have we'll have Pete Nigra actually on the show next Monday. So Pete hasn't been on the show yet. He's the new starting center, uh, replacing Braden Patton. Obviously, Braden graduated. So Pete is the the new guy up front. John Champ was playing a little bit out there on Saturday, I saw. And, you know, they keep Evan Buss and all those other guys involved. So there's always rotating players because we have so many heavy packages. But whether it's just that that initial five or even if Champ and Buss and, and the extra guys get in the game, let's keep another clean clean jersey on Rocky, right? He hasn't been sacked all season. Let's keep Rocky clean. And – if we can build the foundation to the house with the offensive line, the rest will take care of itself. This is an offense that is capable of putting up 30 plus points in every game that we play. So I say that now I'm going to have to sit here and say that next week when we play Kentucky, I'll have to keep that same energy. But the way I look at it is if the offensive line does what they need to do, then that allows Rocky to do what he needs to do and, and Ontario to do what he needs to do and Harrison and, and Mason Blakemore and Cole Tucker and all these guys. So special teams. Um, I know, I know Richie missed one again last week. I know the Iceman missing, missed a kick again, but he'll be back. Like I said in the tweet, he'll be back. He's going to make one, if not two important kicks in this game, maybe a go ahead and, and uh, or a tying field goal and a go ahead field goal. But like we said on Monday too, shout out to him for recovering his onside. That is absolute insanity to be a college kicker, especially the size he is, to just stick your head in the pile and just go get the football. So he may not have been perfect from field goals, but he made up for it in other spots. And that's a guy that I know is willing to die for this team. So I always respect the way he plays the game, and I, I look forward to seeing him make some important kicks here on Saturday. Score prediction, I'm going to go – 38 to 35. I don't know what the odds of that happening are, but 38-35 seems like a a good score. So maybe John Richardson only makes one field goal. Maybe that field goal is a game winner. Who knows? But I do have the Huskies winning this game. It's an important game in our season. It's a pivotal point because if you look at it like this, not winning at Tulsa has us at risk of going into conference play at one and three. So that's not great. Uh, you obviously want to, we have the opportunity. There's three potential outcomes. We could go three and one, we go two and two, or we could go one and three. 
But I think the most important thing is, is to really establish what the identity of this team is during this non-conference time. And by the time you get to conference play, that's the most important part of your schedule, because as long as we can get to Detroit, nothing else matters. You know, this team, you know, this team has an opportunity to get back to the Mac championship. So why not go and why not go and empty the bucket to make that happen? You know what I'm saying? So 38, 35 for the Huskies offensively, the offensive line is the most important group to me this week. I'm not going to go with an individual player. I think it's O-line on the defensive side of the ball. I'd like to see the Jordan Gandy Island as we call it on this show. So Gandy Island, I expect it. I expect to see him have a great game and I'd like to see the turnover happen as well. And then special teams, the Iceman, John Richardson. He's going to make an important kick or two in this game. And just remember that when, you know, he doesn't make his kicks because kicking is one of the hardest jobs in all of sports. Goes out there and puts his best foot forward. And I trust him to make those kicks this week. And I hope he has his opportunity to do so. We will be back, like I said, on Monday at Fatty's for the live edition, for the second live edition of the Rocky Lombardi Show. We're going to be joined by Pete Niagara, so it'll probably be, probably be, I would say, like 10, 15 minutes with Pete, 20, 30 minutes with Rocky, something like that, because it is Rocky's show. But since we have not talked to Pete, and honestly, too, now that I think about it, we'll probably just have all three of us up there talking at the same time. And we'll get it going. But I was really happy with the crowd on Monday. There was a lot of support out there. It, w- it felt great to get back out to Fatty's. And obviously it felt great uh, to see Rocky and talk football with Rocky. Because most of the times I see him is, is when he's out there playing. So it's good to see, see him, see he's doing well. And I'm happy to go on this new venture with him and, and help him in the podcasting world. So we got some fun stuff that we'll have cooked up for the next few weeks. I would say a few weeks, but it is probably about six more weeks before uh, the show will come to an end for the regular season. Obviously, with with postseason play always looming for our Huskies, there's the opportunity to have some postseason shows as well. But for right now, let's focus on the game in front of us. Let's go one and zero against Vanderbilt, and then we'll 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 take care of Kentucky when we get there. But no looking ahead. Find a way to win a football game on Saturday. Husky Nation, I expect you guys to show up and show out. I'm hoping to see somewhere between hopefully 15 to 20,000 people. Like, that would be dope. With 11,000 people there, that place was rocking. So, students, alum, everybody involved, let's get out to Husky Stadium on Saturday. Let's get out to Fatty's on Monday. I got nothing else for you guys. This was Huskies on Tap, presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill, and brought to you by OnTap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300, and you can follow our Twitter and Instagram at Huskies on Tap. Really do appreciate you for tuning into this episode of Huskies on Tap. We'll be back with you guys after the game against Vanderbilt, and go Huskies! I got drink of living lavish, in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drink of living lavish, in the kitchen with magic. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in heart.